What got you there with got you got you What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney When you think of the greatest athletes and coaches of all time names like Jordan, Gretzky, Belichick and Lombardi come to mind But a name not as well known as it should be is Dan Gable Dan Gable is often considered the great amateur wrestler in American history During his prep and college careers, Gable compiled an unbelievable record of 182 to 1. He was undefeated in 64 prep matches and was 118 to 1 at Iowa State. His only defeat came in the NCAA finals his senior year. Gable was a three-time All-American and a three-time Big 8 champion. Dan Gable's career accomplishments are etched in wrestling lore from his 1972 unscored on Olympic gold medal performance on the mat to his record setting 15 NCAA titles as wrestling coach, a mark unequaled in wrestling history. He became one of the few dominant athletes in a sport who was equally dominant as a coach, producing 152 All-Americans and 45 NCAA champions at the University of Iowa. He also coached the 1980, 1984, and 2000 U.S. Olympic wrestling squads. In 1996, Gable was named one of the 100 Golden Olympians, an honor bestowed to the top 100 U.S. Olympians of all time. Some of his most recent accolades include being named top wrestler of the 20th century by Gannett News Service, listed as one of the top coaches in the 20th century by ESPN and heralded as sports figure of the century in Iowa by Sports Illustrated. During the 2012 Olympics, Gable was inducted into the FILA Hall of Fame Legends of the Sport, making him only the third person in the world to receive this honor. Hey guys, are you interested in receiving 20% off your entire order of the apparel brand that's taking the fitness world by storm? If so, Head to 10,000.cc, use discount code WGYT, and you're going to be getting 20% off your entire order of my favorite fitness apparel brand, 10,000. 10,000 is making the most comfortable and versatile shorts out there on the planet. I recently picked up a pair of their interval shorts, which are perfect for a long hike or an intense session in the gym. I'm loving their stuff and highly recommend you guys check them out. Remember, head to 10,000.cc, use discount code WGYT, and you guys will be feeling good and looking good. Coach Gable, welcome to What Got You There. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Um, and uh, and I, I love uh, the fact that uh, I get a chance to promote what I, what I love, you know, my sport and uh, just a lot of good family situations. Yeah, no, being able to promote something you love. We talked a little bit in the call prior the influence, the impact you had on me while you were in the wrestling realm. I was in a different sport. Still such tremendous impact. And you're a big believer in the little things and and they make all the difference. And so am I. And so what are those little things that you continue to do today in your life? Those little things that have tremendous impact? See, that's a great question. uh, Because, you know, people take things for granted so many times. They don't I don't know if they realize just the preparation that someone could possibly put into things that actually makes things come out in a better way in the long run. So for an example, this podcast, you know, it's just like I could have just, I know that I can do it just off the top of my head, but you know, I, I, I looked up a lot of things 
about the podcast. I read all the information that was sent to me in the last month or so about the podcast. And then, you know, I, I do my homework, not so much for just doing homework because I already know a lot of it, but there are certain things that are really valuable that you want to make sure that are put in to what you want to do. Just like it's a six minute wrestling match or a seven minute wrestling match. You know, you do all these things ahead of time for the show. And, uh, you know, it's like when I stepped on the mat, it wasn't, I just stepped on the mat, you know, it was what was going on before the preparation. So a lot of people just call me up and, and ask me and uh, about certain things. And I said, well, okay, you know, let me look into them. So I go and I search things. I prepare, uh, from a standpoint of like how I'm going to get there. Um, I prepare like where I'm going to stay. I prepare like what I need personally to make me at the top of my game. Uh, because you know, I'm getting up there in age and, and even when I was younger competing, there were certain things that you follow. It's not like a ritual, but it's more like just what makes you feel good, what makes you perform well, what makes you recover. And so it's not just that simple to actually do things unless you're just unbelievably talented and you just can automatically perform. But you know what? I haven't found anybody yet that can do that <laughs> at the upper level. I'm talking about at the upper level. By that, I mean, you know, it's yeah, it's, a lot of kids have won state high school championships. A lot of kids have even won national championships in college. But then if you want to go on above that, there's so-called world out there. And we're just one country or we're just one school. We're just one institution. And, you know, when you start competing on that level, that highest level of whatever you do, a lot of these little things that we're talking about come into place and make the difference. And and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's all these just perfect setups, what you need, because you got to be able to adapt when that, when that doesn't happen. But what, what it really involves is besides trying to be prepared and take the word try out of there, but being prepared, you know, you also have to have this mindset, you know, and this mindset is the attitude and, and all of a sudden you have to adapt to something or all of a sudden you have to uh, be able to uh, say, well, I, I don't, I'm not going to be able to eat today because I, uh, there's no food. And, and how are you going to get through that? Well, you, you, you know, you pretty much really have to have that mindset that um, can carry you through any adversity that happens uh, to, get the, to get it accomplished or to, to do what you're most capable of doing. And that's only, that only happens when it becomes kind of a natural way of life. It doesn't happen the first time you do something. But anyway, go ahead know your preparation. I love hearing the framework. You mentioned having some tactics and strategies. I know the listeners would love knowing, do you have any routines right now? Any morning routines you still live by? Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. I would love to hear about what you're still doing today. Well, I have to, you know, my whole life has been like involved around performance. What it's not just wrestling, but wrestling was 
probably 90% of my life so far, you know, whether, uh, you know, from a standpoint of my business, my profession, my, my athletics uh, era, and even my professional era. But, you know, you got to remember there's a performance level besides that, that helps your total performance. And that means your surrounding people. And that means your family. Uh, you know, it just can't be a separate thing. I mean, it can be, but you're not going to go to that level that I'm talking about. So right now, you know, it's, I got a little, um, I got a little cabin in my backyard and, uh, my wife probably says, thank God, but, uh, you know, just because I, it, it can separate me and her just enough to make sure that we know that we like to be together. But, uh, you know, it's one of these things that I, I have in that cabin. I have, I have my office. Uh, I have, uh, workout facilities. You know, I have, uh, actually a living quarters upstairs in that, in, in the little office, but I've never really stayed out there. I mean, I've had friends stay out there and everything, but I have in there what I need. You know, I have, I have, I have an, a desk with what I need from a standpoint of, of resources. I have a workout room in there. What I need, I, I, I like, uh, uh, exercise bikes, uh, air dines. I like, uh, dumbbells. Uh, you know, I have these other pull down machines and, uh, I, I have a sauna in there. I have a steam in there in, a, in the shower. And, you know, these are the types of things that when I get up in the morning, that's where I head. I head out. I call it cleaning up, getting ready. Uh, it just gets me ready for my performance, but that is part of the reason I can perform is because I usually feel pretty good. Uh, you know, after setting in a sauna or, or setting in a steam and taking a hot shower, taking a, a cold shower, having a, a, I got a hot tub out there and, uh, you know, it's just one of these things that, uh, it's like overseeing, uh, about a lot of acres of land and woods. And all of a sudden you might be looking out the window and there's some deer and, it might be some fox. It might be turkey, wild turkey. You know, it's all, you know, that stuff is exciting to me. And, uh, you know, while I'm doing my work or, but I think the first thing that I've learned and it's been from since day one, because I started at the YMCA when I was about four years old, just learning how to swim. But, uh, my dad also belonged to the health club down at the YMCA and, you know, he'd always go down there and kind of his ritual was a little bit to uh, get ready for the day too. And, and, uh, and he had a steam room down there and he, they introduced me to that when I was young and it just felt great <laughs> and uh, a good hot shower and a good cold shower. And, you know, I'm ready to go, but you know, everybody's got their own little thing. Uh, that's kind of what I do every morning just to uh, get myself up and awoke. Are you doing the steam and sauna after your workout or do you do those before to heat up? Uh, actually what I do is in the morning, I just, I take a, uh, a hot shower and then I get in the, the sauna or the steam and then I take the, the normal shower. So that's all I do in the mornings. Now, when I was a kid, that's a different story. You know, I, I had a key to the school. I, I went there and opened up the gymnasium. I was the first guy in the high school there. And then, uh, you know, all that type of stuff, uh, the reason why I had a key to school is because I lived right across the street and I was like, um, one of the team, I was the team leader kind of, at least the coach thought I was, and he lived five miles out of town and 
he knew that I could want to be there at six thirty, and it was a little easier for me just to be there. And there's a lot of things that are different today that you can't do back in my day. You can't give a kid to a key to school. I mean, you got to have supervisation. You know, you got to be. You know, but but you know what? Uh, I think it's something that that really, you know, it's it's pushed that way, but it's not necessarily saying well. Uh, it's the right way, but you know, from a, from a point of view of, uh, making sure that nobody gets hurt and, and somebody, you just can't do it. Things are different. I mean, people have a hard time believing that when I went to grade school and you know what, the only body that probably knows so is people that are around my age and, and I'm, you know, I'm getting up there. So, you know, it's like when I went to school, you know, it was, it was legal, you know, to, have some punishment <laughs> to kids. I mean, they could, they could actually you, uh, take you in and uh, beat you with a, with a paddle or uh, they could uh, slap you. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's crazy things uh, that, that nowadays would get you fired. Absolutely. And, and I'm not saying that one's right and one's wrong, but I know the people today would say that's wrong, but, you know, I, I kind of survived pretty well, you know, and probably started at the home too, a little bit, just what the home life was and then school life as compared to today, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's different, but you know, it's, it's hopefully it's what's called improved and there's a lot of things better, but sometimes, uh, the discipline part is kind of out of there and, you know, we, you never want to forget discipline, uh, in your life. And that discipline is really what's going to make the difference. All the preparation in the world is only going to happen if you have that word discipline. So, uh, you know, that's kind of how I wake up every day. Not that I wouldn't want to get up and work out like I used to when I was a kid or for a long time. But, you know, it's just you got to kind of read your own body. You kind of got to know what you need. You got to understand it. Again, it's that preparation and it's that understanding. And when you realize that, uh, there's a certain point in time in your life that things got to change a little bit to make sure that you stay as healthy as you can. You got to make those changes. And that's been tough for a lot of, of my athletes when I tell them they have to slow down or something the night before a match or let's get your body in ready to go instead of uh, your body and mind instead of just hard physical work. And it's actually, it's called art. It's, you know, it's, it's uh, a science and there's hard work and there's, and there's a science and there's got to be a combination of that somewhere. And if it's not a combination, then it's all one way or the other. And if you're having something all just hard work and no science, then you're missing a lot. And if you're having all just science and no hard work, you're going to miss a lot. And so that's actually, there's a, a painting that just came out of me not too long ago. It's called the art of the fight. And that that's exactly what that means. And the reason why I actually really like that terminology is because the United States of America, at least in wrestling, and I think overall, we're known to be some pretty good fighters when it comes to competition. We're in shape. We work hard. You know, we have this reputation. And then all of a sudden you go into, in wrestling anyway, you go into the European part of the world, the Asian part of the world, and, and they have this they refer to themselves in wrestling as artists. And it's, it's so, it's kind of funny because what we lack in science, they lack in that fight. And so it's kind of a combination 
that you learn as a coach, but that how you had to teach. And that's one of the reasons why every kid that I had, every kid that I had, I had to look at him and understand him, you know, and I could follow him and I could, and I, I had to go back and look at some of his tapes and talk to his family, talk to his coach to really learn about him. And you really have to kind of what I would say, treat him in what he needs to go to that high level. Does he need to become more of an artist or does he need to have that attitude? So he performs harder on the mat. Just maybe he's not in shape or maybe He's just letting up a little bit. So it's, it's really a good combination. And for me, you know, it, it, uh, I was always the fighter and I didn't realize I needed that artistry until I got beat at the <laughs> unbelievable time in my life. My last college match. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get into that. And, and you've mentioned working with so many kids and I would love to deconstruct you as a kid. I mean, when you were 11, you, you started off as a swimmer and you were a pretty damn good swimmer at that. And in your book, you mentioned that's when you discovered that you liked winning. How did swimming lead you to that discovery that you loved winning so much? Well, first of all, the YMCA was so valuable away from home. So my mom and dad, they probably had all they could handle with this kid and they needed some help and they went for help. And that's very important. Uh, and that's why teachers, coaches are so valuable to kids' lives. Good ones, not the ones that just don't just put their time in. But the YMCA was a place for me to get away from my home so I could start growing up a little bit, learn how to swim, because I was there early on, really early, at the age of four. But by the time I was six, seven, eight, I started, I joined the YMCA swim team. But they had other activities. They had social skills that you learned. I had my first job at the YMCA, you know, when I was like in fifth grade. And I think it was 35 cents an hour. I'd get a fat paycheck of about $2.35. something like that a week, uh, just because, uh, you know, I was dusting the lockers or cleaning the floors in the locker rooms, you know, that type of stuff. But, but the YMCA was, uh, my first coaching, uh, experiences too, in first sport from a competition point of view. And, you know, why, why, why would I say the YMCA is good also? Well, it's called the young men's Christian association, young women's Christian association, and you deal with faith and you, you deal with other people. And so it was all of a sudden taking a kid that was pretty much one-sided, maybe just focused on uh, being a good athlete or, or just performance on, in that area. But he, all of a sudden it started whiting my, uh, my thinking about other things. And so uh, my parents, you know, they, they were smart enough to go for help. You know, as a coach, I got to be smart enough not to just work with my athlete especially if I'm not getting out of him what I need to get out of him or her. It's, it's so you go for help and who, who, who's close to them, their parents, their teachers, their coaches, their friends. And, uh, boy, I've, I've had a lot of help and that's, that's part of it, the YMCA. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think, I think the outcomes are determined more based on the journey you choose. And, and it's funny how you won a state championship in wrestling and then decided to leave the sport and pursue wrestling. Why did you decide to leave swimming after winning a state championship? Right, and swimming. So, yeah, well, because it was my local surroundings, the town of Waterloo, Iowa, was competing extraordinarily well in high school wrestling. So that was one of the, the main reasons. And they had three great coaches in the area, 
Waterloo East, Waterloo West, which I what, what I where I attended school, and Cedar Falls, which is right next to Waterloo. And they all were championship coaches, so they were really influencing the community and influencing a lot of uh, the success that was going on in, in the athletic places there. But but I actually um, since swimming and wrestling were the same time, and I had. Uh, a better start, not better. I had my first start in the competition was in swimming. It seemed like it'd be natural for me to go in the swimming, but I'm not even sure they had swimming competition at the junior high level at that time. However, even if they would have had it because of the community and because of my family, friends and all that, and actually because I could tell wrestling was the sport that I most enjoyed. Uh, by that, I'm saying not from just all of a sudden having all this kind of fun because there was a lot of hard work, but it was one that actually was built for my body. I'm not sure I understood that, but it was the one that I really kind of walked away saying, wow, this is what I like. That one-on-one, you know, a little bit of a combative type situation with rules and regulations and safety. But I really liked the feeling of what uh, was taking place during the practices, during the matches, after the matches, uh, you know, that type of thing. So I, I just, I just kind of, uh, took what was most natural for me, my body type, my body type, definitely. I don't know if I would have been an Olympic champion in swimming might've been, but let me tell you, you know, I, I never did get real tall, never did get, uh, you know, I don't have them great big feet. Don't grab great big hands, you know, some kinds of, Sometimes you got to look at bot, uh, uh, the science of it, the art of it, and see where you really dissolve, really can be in. But I really liked it. That's what I, the number one thing. So I want to talk about your high school wrestling days. I mean, I want to know the desire, that work ethic. What, what were you like in high school that you competed at such a level that you never lost a match? <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know, when you are able to be uh, it's almost perfection from a standpoint of uh, wins and losses, which it was, uh, you know, there's still not total perfection in practice or even during a match. There's, there's something that kind of disrupts you, even like just what happened here. Here we are doing this podcast and all of a sudden you got your dog barking, which I didn't even hear him until you told me. So I'm focused and that wasn't really a disruption to me. I just kept on going and I was going to fight through it. But, at the same time, a lot of people, you know, have, have, um, uh, don't have the mindset. And the reason why they don't have the mindset is because they're probably not focused, not prepared as much and all they get distracted easily and then they have to bounce back. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, one of these things that, uh, first of all, high school was only 10th, 11th and 12th grade at that time. And, and so when I went to, came to high school, the, the weight classes were, were, were different than they are now. And the, the, the lightest weight was even lighter, quite a weight. I think the lightest weight now was 106 pounds in high school, but I think the weight class was 95. And, uh, you know, I was a little heavier, uh, than that. And I probably would have wrestled 103, but the high school coach realized he had this special guy from a standpoint of a leader. And even though I may not have understood it. He, he kind of saw it. So my high school coach, Bob Siddons, who just recently passed away at 93 years old, who was a, a multi-time state championship winning coach. You know, he, 
he he really looked and and, see, and saw what he had on his teams, what was needed, and he saw this kid coming in that was going to be a leader. And he basically told me I had that spot. I wouldn't even have to try out, even though there were some other people there. And the other people really kind of agreed with him. So a good coach gets a team working together to make sure that that team is the best possible team. So, uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I give examples in some of my books that I, I, that I put out of wrestling life one, I think, or wrestling life two, there's a kid named Lincoln McElravey who really, you know, didn't really, uh, I brought him out a, a red shirt late and he needed to make some quick adaptations, adaptations to his wrestling. And the team kind of got behind him too. And he didn't even realize what the team was doing to help him. And he thought it was all him, but you know, it's, it's those types of things. So, so back in uh, Waterloo, Iowa, we had three great coaches and they had, uh, uh, they were battling back and forth all the time. And so all of a sudden, uh, in high school, I, um, had a chance to be, have one of these good coaches, which is so crucial. He gave me the spot. A couple teammates just gave me the spot. And I think it was just realized realizing from day to day work that this guy deserves it. This guy, I can't beat him anyway, but I, I wasn't thinking about that. So, you know, I made the weight class and I, I had to learn how to uh, do some life skills at the time. By that, I mean, I had to understand nutrition. I had to understand uh, weight loss. I had to understand, uh, you know, things like that. Well, I had to understand the science of, of the sport. So in reality, there were some things that I was doing early on besides just being a tough kid, being a fighter, I was learning some things that made things happen easier. And that's what happens when you have a good program, you have a good system. And a lot of kids don't have that so-called luck, which I don't really like. I don't like luck because I don't want to be lucky. I want to be good, you know? And, <laughs> and it, because of that, uh, you know, I had those opportunities. And so I really became good, not because of so much luck, but because, but there was some of that involved and it wasn't the kind where you reach in and pull out a number and your number wins. It was more like I had these people surrounding me that were helping me and that were giving me knowledge besides the home with my mom and dad, and my sister early on, uh, you know, it was like they weren't perfect people, but they were making sure that this kid had a good place to go learn some other things away from home, like the YMCA, like sent me to, uh, you know, good uh, 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 places to go to school, uh, made sure they, they were looking out for me. They gave me guidance on on even getting on my bicycle and what route I should take to go to school back in those days, which was pretty amazing to me because, you know, uh, I, I didn't think people back in those days had to worry about a whole lot. Uh, but yeah, they, they were before their time. And, uh, and again, they weren't perfect because, you know, at that time there was a lot of differences and differences were like, okay, when you got in your car and travel somewhere, if you, if you wanted a beverage, it might be a beer for my, my dad, he might be driving, you know, and that, that was just that sign of the times. And, you know, so when you, right before a wrestling match, if you have this long hair and you get your hair cut like a kid did not too long ago, and it made national news and it was like unbelievable, they were cutting this kid's hair. But, you know, back in my day, they cut kids' hair every match. I mean, the coach brought scissors along, not just to cut tape, because you had this certain standards. And a lot of people really don't know about 
the old time as compared to the new time. But, you know, a good person, a good coach, you know, you kind of adapt. You don't have to always give in to that because if you give in to what's really needed, then you're probably cutting corners that aren't good for to be successful. And I always say this, when you go to the woods to cut, to cut the trees down, because I like a lot of log fires. Uh, I like, I got sauna, uh, wood burning stoves. I got fireplaces. So I take my chainsaw there and I take my gas and I keep everything sharp. And all of a sudden I'm cutting all these trees down. All of a sudden my chainsaw is boom. It goes kaput or I run out of gas, you know, and what do I do? Just stop. Well, I'm smart because you know what? I learned some things as a kid, you know, the, the old way, the harder way. And so, you know what? I brought my ax with me. So now I can continue to go to work. I can cut those trees up and I'm still going to have this wood and I'm going to get it accomplished instead of, Oh, I can't do any more work because my chainsaw is broke. And so that's kind of the preparation we had in the old days that carries forward. I feel like I got it. uh, I was born in in, in a good time where I got to realize that some, there's a lot of hard work out there you need to do, but at the same time, as you're getting smarter, uh, you need to uh, make some adaptations and yeah, let's make sure you're keeping up in time. You're, you know, keeping up with, with computers, <laughs> you know, that's a little tough for me, but, but, uh, uh, you know, you got, you got to do some of that. And, and if you don't adapt, uh, you're going to fall behind. Yeah, no, that growth mindset. You mentioned being surrounded by some great coaches that really understood your leadership capabilities. Did you understand how special you were at the time? No, absolutely not. I only um, understand, uh, only understood later. And uh, it that's what made me kind of uh, become a better coach because I started learning some of the things that was taking place. And I'll give you an example. I, I used to go to school with the key every morning, open the school up, go into the, the, the school. I used to run, run like circles and sprints and climb ropes and do chins. I uh, do a lot of that stuff in the gymnasium. And, and uh, so these people, school was getting ready to start and I was still in there running and, and people go by the window, see me in there running. And so Matt, about my fifth, about my 10th class reunion, I went to, uh, uh, the high school 10th class reunion. And this girl comes up to me and she goes, you know, every morning I used to go to school, well, I'd see you running sprints in that, in that gym. And I know you were a good athlete and I know you're undefeated and you wrestled well, but I just couldn't figure out why you would do that. You know, it's just, it's overboard, overboard, you know? And, and, and she goes, you know, now that I'm out, we're out, this is our 10th class reunion and you've already won the, the Olympics and, and you got a good job and you're doing this and you're doing that. And I look back and I think about every morning when I walked in there and I saw you and I, I, I asked myself then, why does he do that? And let me tell you what I say now. She, she goes, I go, what's that? She goes, now I know why. Now I know why it just takes a while. It takes a mindset to understand. And so she realized something that both of us didn't realize at the time, but we both realized now what it did for, for, for me. And, and then she goes after that, she goes, I, I, I wish I would applied some of that in my life back at the, in, in that day. And, uh, you know, it's something that when you, it's over. I mean, you can apply it from then on, 
but you, you really can't go back and change. You could only change now for your future, your future or your before that, uh, you know, it was, uh, I mean, only change the, the past, you know, and so it's like, it's difficult, but if you understand it, at least you know how to go forward. And I think that was the key right there. I mean, you had the keys to the school. You clearly were incredibly motivated. What was the internal motivation going on at the time? What led you to, to open up that school every morning and just bust your ass to do whatever it took? I really think it had a lot to do with my growing up, being uh, looking up to certain people in my life. Mickey Mantle, uh, of course, you didn't know about his antiques off the baseball field. <laughs> and I probably didn't care at that time. That's why I became a good coach because I kind of adapted to each kid. But I also was, you know, was able to uh, look at the football. I, I like football. I think it was Jimmy Brown. That was my man, you know, and then basketball. I think it was Bobby Cousy or somebody. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm you know, it's hard to remember because it's so long ago, but I, I really was into those pro sports. I think it was four years old when I, we first got a, a, a TV set. So all of a sudden there was a new world in front of me. And uh, of course the channels, we didn't have many channels and they did have the pro sports on at that time. And so I was a sports fanatic and that's who kind of guided my early years, those type of people. And, uh, so it meant a lot, it meant a lot to me, made a huge difference in, in my start. I really wasn't a student of academics until about eighth grade. And then again, it was walking into a classroom. It was an algebra one classroom and right there in front of people was my wrestling coach. And I, I go, what are you doing here? And he goes, well, I'm the teacher <laughs> too. And I didn't. Even, and so it was the first class I really listened to and gave a teacher a chance. And it was the greatest time in my life because all of a sudden I got a reward, which I didn't know what a reward was in academics. I think I was getting all C's, probably D's. And all of a sudden I got a B in that class. And it was like, whoa, my hand kind of started raising up in the air. Like I won a wrestling match. And, and in reality, it was just a feel good thing. And so that started me on. And, and ninth grade is when you have to have the good grades in 10th grade and 11th grade and 12th grade going into college. Had I not had that class, uh, Martin Lundvall, uh, and he's in that painting in the background. I got him in the background. He's the guy that turned me around academically, but really it was because he was the wrestling coach. And just so happens that that uh, changed my whole life because from then on, I started doing pretty good academically, gave me the opportunity to go to a division one school and not only be a good wrestler, but uh, be a good student and, uh, went all the way through grad school. So I, I just, um, I look at little things and I capitalized or captured uh, some of that stuff, but it was, it was a, a pretty much frame of mind of like athletics. And then why do I need to be a good student? Well, to be able to be a good athlete, to be able to go in through college, to be able to get a scholarship, be able to do all that stuff, you have to get good grades. Well, that may, that meant something, you know, it might not have meant like as much as, as much as it should have been, you know, cause that's an education is really val valuable, a good one. And, but I wasn't probably thinking so much that development of my mind as compared to just uh, being able to go on to college and, and wrestle and stuff like that. So 
Anyway. So let's let's capture and uncover some of those little things. You finish your high school career undefeated. You make the jump to Division One wrestling. What's that transition like? What were the big changes you faced? Well, here's where I feel I, I separated myself. And so every year there's high school place winners and there's high school state champions in all sports and, and, and academics and so on and so forth. There's, you know, there's valedictorians and there's 4.0 and actually you get more than that now. But so all of a sudden people go to a higher level of excellence. And so now you are competing with more of what people did as well as you did. And so it's the competition's going to be that much greater. And a lot of kids don't think about that. They just think, well, I won the States as a sophomore. That means I'll I'll win them as a junior, and that means I'll win them as a senior. But you got a target on your back a little bit uh, once you do something and people use you for motivation. And, and all of a sudden, they might start working harder than you. And all of a sudden, you might think that, well, I'm good enough to win it here and I can win it there. you got to continue to develop. You have to continue to improve. And if you don't do that, then somebody else out there is going to pass you. And because of that, uh, these different levels of excellence, you have to understand. And so all these high school kids that get scholarships, whether it's academics, whether no matter what activity it is, I'll just stay with wrestling because that's one. They just, they've been doing certain things their whole life and they continue to do them certain things. Well, you have to make an upgrade. You have to make a jump because your level of competition is higher. And if you don't make that jump and it's mostly usually in the jump of discipline. And every time that you take a new level of excellence on, you have to take a new level of discipline on. And if you don't do that, then you're going to fall into the mainstream and not be the guy that's actually up on top. And I realized that for some reason that you had to become more dedicated, more disciplined. And so I was able to jump at every level. And it wasn't just because I realized that there was something that always happened that made me realize the little things like right before going to college, this college kid took me and he, well, he just whipped the heck out of me in, in a practice. And he kind of got done and he kind of said, I just want to show you what you're, you're looking forward to. So you better make sure that, you know, you buckle down and really jump to a new level, you know? And so then all of a sudden when I lost my last match in, in college, uh, it, 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 it hurt enough because I hadn't really experienced that pain that I knew I needed to do some things. I, I needed to take that painting and, and say, okay, I'm not just a fighter. I got to become more of an artist because that's what I'm going to next. I'm going to have to compete against the really good artists at the, at the, at that level or the really good uh, technicians or strategy, strategy guys, you know, so you have to realize all of that, but you know, that's just, part of the game. And then there's other things off the mat, uh, off the mat, like tragedies in, in my family. It's my, after my sophomore year in high school, I had a tragedy with my sister that got murdered right in our house and it was going to tear this family apart. But luckily I had this kid, this, uh, me was able to help the mom and dad and let, and let them focus on, on me a little bit more, but help them get through this particular time and help myself get through that particular time and kind of use that murder as, as motivation, which is, you know, you don't like to 
put the two together. But once it's accomplished, once it's done, and then you go back and you, you try to understand it and you try to, and you realize that maybe you could have helped stop this, this type of situation by through communication. Cause I was kind of tipped off about it and it's something you learn for the rest of your life. It's, it's an impact, you know, you lose the last match after seven years, you have a sister that's murdered right in your old house. There's things to be, to be, uh, thought about to be discovered and to put in place for the rest of your life to make sure or to, to help solve some of the issues of what you need to have a, a great life. And it's like a marriage. I mean, I'm married for 44 years now. And I'll tell you what, if I hadn't made a lot of adaptations during these times, it would have been over a long time ago. It's, you gotta, I've got to work at it today just as hard as I ever worked at it. In fact, I work at it harder today than I did early. And that's why it's probably going better now and it's going well. But, uh, you know, those are the things that um, are very important that uh, people have to carry with them. Yeah, you, you've carried with you a lot and you get into it in the book specifically around your sister. But I want to know after after a big defeat like you suffered in your last college match, how do you rebound? How do you self-assess to understand what you need to do better the next time? Well, it's a lifetime of learning and I feel real lucky, even though I don't like that word, that I've had so many good opportunities to take advantage of so many good people around me, not the coaches, you know, the family, uh, just it's, it's, it's amazing that people have hooked onto me and given me what they have inside them. So I could actually take that on and become better. I mean, even some of my top coaches that had to compete against me, uh, when I was a wrestler athlete, and then all of a sudden, I, I, I graduated from that system and went on to the, the USA system. All of a sudden, from the colleges that I whipped their own guys, they'd come forth because they were doing uh, some of the coaching, and they would grab a hold of me and help me. And and I think I was, uh, I, you know, I was going to contribute to their success, but they saw something that just didn't happen. It happened over year after year after year, and it started with a good home life and it went to the YMCA and then it went to a, a good teacher and then it went to good wrestling coaches. And, you know, and then all of a sudden when you're getting ready to move on to your professional life, uh, you're, you're, you're getting, uh, some, some more good people that are helping you at that coaching level, even at the home life to make your marriage go 44 years, you know, and my, I think my mom and dad went over 50, but you know, it's like, Again, it goes back to, is this kid just lucky? Well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> is he lucky to have all these good things happen to him? Yeah, I think he is. Uh, but is there some adversity in his life? Yeah, there's some major adversity. And uh, it's one of these things that, that you know, after a point in time of you really kind of learn it yourself and it becomes a good habit of being able to handle things because there's I, a lot of times go the other way for just a little while. And then I work back towards the best way to solve, you know, things that, that happen. And, you know, sometimes you lose your, your temper, but you know, you don't want to, but it happens, but you better be sorry for it, better apologize for it. And you better 
make it less happen in the future and, and those types of things. So I don't know. It's been a lifetime of uh, learning for me and I'm not done learning by any means. I can tell you that. No, believe me, that's that's pretty clear in this conversation. You, you're constantly looking even how you can grow today. I'm interested, though, all the years you were wrestling, did you ever step on the mat thinking you were going to lose? No. No. I never thought that. For some reason, that success that I've had in wrestling and in other sports, whether it be a swimmer or baseball or football, you know, it's just it, that never really occurred to me. I might not have been as smart in terms of going out on a match and giving myself a better chance to win just because I didn't think about that losing aspect a little bit, but because sometimes even when you're not the best wrestler on a mat or the best team on a mat, you can still win. There's strategies. That's that art part. But, you know, I sometimes didn't use that. And so I probably came out on the, on, on the wrong end. And, and if I, as I got older in the last two years of my compet competition days, I used that. And all of a sudden I dominated more than I ever had just because I kind of got a little bit smart, but in my profession, that's where I, I made some mistakes there too. And I'm telling you winning if you win and you win and you're successful and successful, you get a little, I don't know if it's complacent or you think it's automatically going to happen. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't automatically happen. And you make some of the same mistakes over again. It's kind of crazy that I would make the same mistakes. But usually it was after quite a few years where I'd make that same mistake. But there's still no excuses. There's still no excuses. It's just that you that's being successful. Sometimes just, um, it puts you in this place of uh, comfort, which it shouldn't, but uh, it does. So you had tremendous confidence every single time you were about to compete. How important is confidence both in your success and then in your athlete's success? I think it's almost, you have to have uh, some confidence. Uh, otherwise you're really lucky. And I don't know anybody that's really lucky. So when you were working with a kid, how do you get that confidence out of them if they don't have it yet? They have to actually perform and they have to be able to uh, feel it. And so if you're depending on them to win in competition, totally, uh, and like have their first good performance or skill performed in a competition, you're, you're, you're behind. Uh, it's got to be performed in the practice room. It's got to be performed multiple times. It's got to be performed multiple times under live conditions before you really can feel what you need to do. Because when you start thinking, that takes time. And in a wrestling match, when you're thinking, that means you're vulnerable because you are not in tune into what's taking place. And that means just reaction. And I don't mean your reaction. Hopefully it's your initiation and hopefully it's your opponent's reaction. Once you feel that in a practice where you've done a skill and performed it under live conditions, it's highly more likely to happen and it's going to happen than in competition. And so I can remember, I mean, I took me to my, it was a junior year in college. So that means I've been wrestling ever since I've been born and uh, you know, it was more like uh, all of a sudden I hit this new move, which 
you know, I've hit a few new moves quite, quite often, but it took me all the way to my junior year before I even in college. So I'm, I'm, you know, like 19 or 20 years old. And I hit this move called a headlock. I mean, most kids go out and try to throw the headlock now when they're four years old. That's about the only move they'll do, but I didn't hit it until I was nine, uh, 19 or 20 years old. And I hit it in practice. And all of a sudden I go, wow, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. And I get up and before the end of practice, I hit another headlock. And so all of a sudden I start hitting the headlocks all the time, but and that's not my favorite move, but it's a match ending move that, you know, that it can be there. It can be set up, but mostly, um, it was there and I just automatically did it. And I didn't think about it. I didn't say hit a headlock. I just hit the headlock. And after I hit it, I said, wow, I just hit a good headlock. So that's how, that's kind of how things happen. I'd be so curious to hear about your favorite match in college. Well, i tell you what, you know what I say to that? It's kind of a crazy answer, but it's my next match. <laughs> Every match when I completed it, I was looking forward to my next match, but it wasn't just jumping to the next match. Usually if it was a week in between, it, it was a lot of focus all, all that week. But if it was in a tournament that same day, you know, it might only be an hour, it might be two hours, but you know, and, and I know what you're saying. I, um, it's not just the fact that, uh, you look back and you, you think about some of the favorite matches. I, I, I loved wrestling. I loved every match. Uh, they weren't all perfect. I mean, I gave up a few points once in a while. I got taken down <laughs> maybe once in a blue moon, but what I really liked was the practices. I like practices more than matches. Get a little bit too, you got, you know, you just, you're on edge and that's, it's, it, and that's more of a, a meet. That's more of a match in practice. You know, you're just going at it and, and uh, you're learning and, and you're hitting a lot of holds. Again, I had good coaches that gave me a lot of chance to execute a lot of holds. So that means we did a lot of wrestling. We didn't, he didn't do, he might've been talking, but he was talking while we're wrestling. I go, sometimes I go to practices and watch other teams. Uh, and I'll, a coach ends up talking for two hours instead of executing, have the guys executing holds. I don't know how they're going to learn how to wrestle. Sometimes you just got to, you know, play the game and uh, wrestle, even though wrestling is not a game, but you know, it's, you know, it's um, you, like I said, took me, took me 19 years to hit a headlock, <laughs> but then I started hitting quite a few of them, but it, it's, it's, um, I don't know what, what, uh, my favorite matches. Uh, I would say that my most, uh, the one I remember the most is probably the world championships and the Olympic games. And it was overseas in Bulgaria at the world's Olympic games in Munich. There was a lot that took place at, at both those high end events. Uh, but I go back even in junior high and I remember wrestling on the stage and, and having a, a match where it didn't go my way. And, I, and by the time it, it did, you know, the time I get home and I was pouting and I remember my mom, sent me outside to clean off the, the, um, the driveway cause it was snowing and I, I worked myself in a frenzy and all of a sudden I, 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 I shoveled all the neighbors, uh, driveways. So, but you have to do things to get it out of you. You can't just lay around and think about it. You got to put things into action. And, and I think that's the kind of guy I am. I may take me a little while, but, um, once I get going the right direction, I pretty much stay in the right direction. Yeah, no, putting things into action. You were infamous for after matches, 
still hitting the mats, doing another workout, getting more out of yourself. I want to talk a bit about motivation. What was motivating you the most during this time? I I know it was just the success, you know, and, and so when I go to a, a junior high meet and I see some kid that was 0-16 because he first time ever out for wrestling, and he, they're all wrestling some kids that were been wrestlers before and the kid was 0-16 and, you know, I just, I say, you know, this kid's got a lot of heart. We got to get him a win, <laughs> you know? And so at the beginning level, sometimes coaches have to uh, realize that might, you might have to match up people a little bit better than what you have to do. I mean, I know it's about winning and being successful, but sometimes to, for the sport, you have to go in there and make the kid feel really what, uh, you know, you should be feeling. And, uh, it's, it's, it's difficult, but I tell you what, the satisfaction of other people around you, when they see something they really like, and it's meaningful. You know, it's like, I'm a grandpa now and I got all these grandkids, you know, and these grandkids are doing singing they're doing uh, all kinds of things in sports and, and uh, getting good grades. And I look at their report card and, and I say, wow, <laughs> that's a good report card. That feels good. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes you have to uh, perform for not just yourself because you're only so big. But if you look at people around you that care for you, then you're that much bigger. And that might be a motivational piece that gets things out of you. I know that my mom and dad needed help. They needed help from, from my sophomore year on. And that help was going to be well worth it if I could win a wrestling match and win another one and win another one. It's going to keep them, help them, keep them together, keep them away from excess alcohol, keep them away from fighting, keep them away from blaming each other about, uh, their, their daughter's death. And, you know, it's, it's just satisfaction, but more than that, that it was also a feel good thing about yourself, feeling good inside, being successful, affecting other people, being a leader, you know, opening that, that, that gym door at six 30 in the morning and not just you going in it because you were the only one that was going in it for the first three weeks, but all of a sudden you got a lineup of kids behind you because you're now eight and oh, nine and oh, 10 and oh. And it wasn't the fact that they wanted to go there at the beginning. They had to have proof. That's the way people are. People have to know that if I'm going to sacrifice that it's going to be worth it. And they saw this kid that was actually winning. If I had oh and nine, they wouldn't have been there. So nine and all, they were starting to show up and that affects the team that affects everybody. And you all have a good time. Coach, you're getting me fired up over here. I might drop down and do some pushups real quick. I, I feel like we're, you're back on the mats here at Iowa. Well, I tell you what I watch. It's, it's great today. Cause you know, you know, all these matches that are away, you know, you don't have to drive all the way to see them, you know, unless you have personal people in there, then you better get in that car and drive. But, but you know, like me, I, getting up there in age, I can set, turn the TV on big 10 network, uh, ESPN. So, you know, they follow the sport close and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting to watch, uh, good matches and, uh, that fires me up as well. I love talking to athletes and coaches and understanding how they assess their failures and, and both their victories. Do you look back more on your failures or your victories? Well, it just so happens I've had a lot more victories than uh, failures, but the failures probably the ones that I 
focus on more only from inspirational and what I need to do for the future because they hurt the most. Uh, and the winds don't hurt the most as, you know, they feel good. Uh, most of the time, I mean, you, you could have a win where you might not feel that great about it, but I can't remember too many of them that I, that I didn't feel too good about them. Uh, uh, most of them were, were fantastic wins. I, I may have had a, uh, maybe one high school match. That I think I went one point, you know, and I analyzed that match and I realized kind of what, where I didn't prepare or where I didn't perform as well as I should have, but, but most of the matches were pretty much domination. And so, uh, it was a feel good thing. And I, I, I didn't break down my wrestling enough to realize that sometimes there might be a tough match. And if, if there is a tough match, how do you finish that tough match? Well, I never knew how to finish a tough match. because was never in a tough match, hardly. So it, it was, it took all that, those seven years of being undefeated and then you had a tough match and you didn't know how to finish and you could have won it, but it was more than that. It was like so many things. And because there were so many things, it was perfect for helping my coaching because I was able to break that down, help my future uh, competition as an athlete. But more than that, because I did all this breakdowning, it was preparing me for being a great coach because that's what great coaches do. They break down things and they understand things. They understand the subject which is the sport of wrestling. They understand the strategies, they understand the subjects with the people. And the more you do that, the more chance that you're going to have to be successful. And it's, it's fun. I mean, I, I, I'm not the master by any means, but I tell you what, I know who can help me and I go for help. And so these parents that are out there, sometimes they can actually be good. They can give me a, some advice. Now, they might give you more than that, but you got to be able to go through it and take what advice you really need. And so these past coaches, they can give you advice. Now, they may be, you got to look at who they are and how they've done and you got to de- go through it and, and take what is, is valuable. But there's always valuable pieces of advice out there. And you just got to be able to know which ones to apply and when. And when you do that, you're going to have a higher chance of being successful with that kid. Or with if you're a, a manager and you've got people that are working for you, it's the same thing. I mean, I can't I can't imagine not wanting to do good in anything, and that's how you piece these things together to get performance out of people. And if you don't do it, well, you're just going to fall into the mainstream. If you want to be the mainstream, that's okay with me, but because that gives me more of a chance to be more successful. But that's the way it is. Yeah, you mentioned the amount you learned from your final college match ever, where you where you ended up losing in the national championship, your only loss ever in college. You also had a big defeat while you were coaching the 1987 team that had the chance to win 10 straight national championships. Which one of those big losses did you learn from? Which one more? Yep. Uh, I would have to say that that they both are kind of compatible, but because you're dealing with more numbers as a team, you kind of have that much more of a chance to learn more things because you're dealing with, instead of one person, one competitor, one uh, person that you're competing against, you're dealing with 
10 weight classes. You're dealing with 10 opponents. You're dealing with uh, maybe one guy competing over three days, but now you're competing over three days with 10 guys and you got that many more matches. And so I would say that you're going to learn more from a team situation than you will actually in one match, but don't ever underestimate that one match. And if that's what you need to focus on, because that one match is going to be what difference in whether you, you got it possibly a, a great marriage or a great family. Uh, you know, there's just so many different things that, uh, that when you sit down and go through it, that you, you can't believe what there is to learn. I mean, I'm still learning on those things. I mean, I think I've almost closed the book on that loss in college. <laughs> after I'm, I'm sorry to bring it back I almost up then. Closed the book. But, and, and, you know, and I, I, I never hold a grudge, to the person. I may not like them as my best friend, but you know, there's always in a competition, there's two people or two teams and they're both, their goal is to win, you know, and, and to compete well. And, and, you know, and if you compete well, you usually win, but uh, you compete not so well, you usually lose. So it's pretty obvious, but it's, I mean, like even the guy that murdered my, my sister, I mean, I mean, when I found out right before he died here a couple of years ago that he he repented and he, he said that, hey, I wish I wouldn't have uh, killed uh, Diane Gable. And and uh, she he said his quote was she was a really nice girl. I mean, wow. I mean, I couldn't believe he said that, you know, but it was like. Do I really hate this guy? I should, but I mean, he's a human being, you know, and that's just the way it is. And you got to move on and, uh, you, you do what you can do. And, uh, people, you know, you just try to prevent stuff like that. And, uh, the only way to prevent it is to do a better job at home or to raise your kids as good as you can. And you never get things don't ever get too old. I mean, I just, we have a snowstorm going right now or I'm going to have one. And I got one of my daughters living right next door. And she's got a, my youngest and, and she's got a one and a three-year-old. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's going to be 30 below, 40 below uh, tomorrow, the next day. And they got a, you know, a door can open easily and they can walk outside and they can get, go out there for 10 minutes and, and it could be in some serious trouble. And, and what's amazing is I just reminded my daughter, but you know, Hey, make sure you pay a little more attention in the next couple of days and they should be paying attention all the time. But, but you know what? All of a sudden she said, Hey, thanks. <laughs> I mean, why? I thought she was getting mad at me. Cause you know, she already knows that and she's already looking out for that, but you know, some reminders, these reminders are really good. And my parents did a good job with me on that. So so do you ever look back on some of the positives? I know we just spent the past few minutes talking about some of the negatives. And I, I asked the question because you've accomplished some of the most remarkable things. And I hope you can bear with me here for a minute because there's a few things that really stood out to me. Uh, the 1972 Olympics, where you won the gold, you won all six of your matches. But I think the most impressive part of that is you didn't give up a point during those Olympics. And I just want to go over some of the other accomplishments. And I would love to know if you've actually sat back 
and, and thought about these at all. You coached Iowa to 15 NCAA titles. You had 21 Big Ten team titles. You've coached 45 national champions, 152 All-Americans. You were the three-time NCAA coach of the year. You had seven perfect seasons. I mean, I could go on and on. Do you ever sit back and, and think about that? And then if you do, what's the most impressive one to you? You know, yeah, I do think about it. But what I think about more is why didn't I have 21 perfect seasons? <laughs> why didn't I? Uh, you know, I, I think about the highest level of things and I say, well, there's room for improvement. <laughs> you know, it's just so we, the only statistic that I really like that what that you said that I really like was I had 21 straight Big Ten titles. Well, that was on a 21 years. That's perfect. I like that. And but, you know, so there's always there's a lot of satisfaction in winning. But then there's also knowing that there's room for improvement, room to get better. And when you forget that, that's when you have these. What I call some horrible losses. You know, when you don't communicate to somebody that somebody told you that they probably going to do something to your sister and you don't communicate it, that's poor communication. So when then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're being successful on the mat and you're, and you, you, you kind of just take for granted, you're going to win and you don't do all the right things and you start doing things for the sport instead of doing things for that comp that so-called competition you're more more vulnerable and things are going to happen anytime you're more vulnerable. So as you think about this excellence in life, you need to actually back that up and then kind of go ahead and do the things. I don't think I ever did a speech except for to potential spectators to go out to the fraternities, sororities on campus or go to the local Kiwanis I don't think I did a, a speech to where people hired me to come in for a performance until after I was done, just because I thought it was going to take away from my uh, time with my athletes and coaches and things like that. I, I do remember my AD sending me to a speech in uh, Westfield, New Jersey, back in like 77 or 76, when I was a, a assistant coach. And I, and he goes, uh, yeah, I'd like to have you go out to, uh, speak at this high school. Uh, I said, you know, I can't go cause I'm the, the, the head coach designated me the head coach in the wrestling room. So I said, I run practices. And he looked at me and he says, you're going. And so, you know, you got to respect authority too out there. And the thing is, here's where I think you get a lucky sometimes I'm out there and speaking at this, uh, Westfield, New Jersey banquet. And all of a sudden I'm done. And this kid comes up and he said, uh, Hey, I was the state champion wrestler this year, and I would really be interested. I liked what you said. I'd be interested in going to Iowa. And I said, well, what's, you know, what's your record? And he said, he said, well, I won the state championships this year. I was 30. You know, he said, I, how'd you do as a junior and a sophomore and freshman? And he said, well, I just came out this year for the first time. And I go, whoa. But anyway, and long story short here, he ended up coming to the University of Iowa. And his, his name was Chris Campbell. And I want, I didn't even want to go to this event and that would have never happened, but he ended up winning two national titles for us. He ended up being, winning a world title. He ended up getting two medals in, in another world and in Olympic games. And, you know, it's all, it's like, wow, I got lucky there, even though I didn't want to do it. And I just followed orders sometimes. And you know, a lot of good things happen 
when you do things good over time, over time, over time, I, and I don't mean over time in a, in a wrestling match, but I mean over time when you do things right. When you do things right, good things come back. Yeah, I love that Chris Campbell story from the book. And you mentioned doing things over time. And a lot of people listen to this podcast because they want to extract the tactics from people like yourself. And I want to discuss making some changes in someone's life. You've talked about the 30 days that it usually take to implement a new tactic for you. Do you still use that 30-day philosophy? Well, you know, I'm glad you brought it up because it's about time I might start needing to do it again a little bit. Uh, Sometimes even though you get older and you think you know too much, uh, sometimes you got to go back to the basics and maybe I uh, need a little cleanup. Uh, so maybe you're helping me too. Cause I know that 30 day principle is really good because I'll tell you what, when you want to make a major change, then you got to do it for one day. Then you got to stick with it. You got to do it for two days. You got to do it for three days. And I say, you've got to do it for at least 30 days before it becomes a pretty good habit. And once it becomes a habit, then you do it. And so there may be some changes in my life that I, I, I might need right now. And, and maybe I'm getting a little complacent as I'm getting a little older. And I think I'm pushing 29 right now, but actually, you know, I'm a lot older than that. But if, you know, when you stay healthy and you work at things, that 29 years old age is not a bad age. And so, uh, you know, mentally, so that's kind of where I'd like to be. But because of that, I needed a kick in the butt a little bit. And you're giving me that kick in the butt right now just by reminding me of some things I said in the past and some things like in the books, the a wrestling life. I'm not sure if it's in a wrestling life one or two, but, but whatever it is, it's something that, you know, I need to practice myself a little more because, uh, you know, I, I got 12 grandkids now and I gotta, I gotta have better time, use of my time and you got a structure to get a wife, got four daughters, got four you know, son-in-laws. And so I got a lots of things I got to do. And so I better get my life a little more organized. <laughs> yeah. Th- those commitments, the time allocation is going to be difficult with everything you have going on. You've mentioned tunnel vision in the past, and, and we're talking about time here. How important is having tunnel vision when you want to be the best in the world at something? Well, if you get out of that tunnel vision, that's going to be how the chance for somebody to upset you. By that, I mean to overtake you, whether you're a company or whether you're in a performance on the, on the mat or whether you're playing the piano or whatever you're doing. If uh, you don't have that tunnel vision, then you're going to start thinking. And when you start thinking, you'll miss a beep. And when you miss a beep, the other person or the other thing that you have to compete against is going to take over. You don't want to miss a beep. And you don't want to uh, have time to think. You want to do things automatically. Just like when I hang up the phone, I'm just going to put the phone down. I'm going to jump up out of this chair. Do I say, uh, what do I do with this phone? Do I put it down? Or do I say, how do I get back up? Do I have to think, put my hand here and push myself up? I just do it. It's automatic. When you do things automatic, you got them down pretty well. I love that automatic approach. I know we just have a few more minutes. This is a conversation I could go on for hours with. I would love hearing a story from from your college days, whether you being actually a wrestler or your coaching days. What's one of the most grueling workouts you put your wrestlers through or you experienced yourself? Well, we we named them. We <laughs> called them Red Flag Days. And uh, Red Flag is when all of a sudden the, the wrestlers came to practice and there was a red flag hanging 
in the air on a wall. We, oh, you know, or on a on a uh, a little thing that might have been blowing there. We uh, and they hated those. I'm saying for a second because when they saw that, because we didn't have it very often, and we didn't tell them when they were going to do it. And you know, you want to do it at the right time, of course, from a strategic point of view. Again, it's like the artwork. Uh, you got to know when to do. You can't do it the day before a competition or the week before the big national tournament. But you know, all of a sudden, these guys it put them in a different frame of mind. And I tell you, I think that Red Flag Day was kind of like every time they stepped out on the mat, they had to get in this certain focus. And they were practicing right, right in the wrestling room because when they saw that red flag up, they knew they were going to go through. I'm not going to say hell, but they're going to go through unbelievably tough workout. Now, the key for this unbelievably tough workout was to get them to go in the first second and all the way through it to the last second. Because if they saw that red flag and say, okay, I'm going to hold back to the last 15 minutes, they're, they're going to be wasting all that time. you got to be doing it from the beginning to the end. And so that's what I stressed. And I, if I could tell, because there's some kid there that was going to be, oh my gosh, how am I going to survive this? I was on him, you know, that's part of, part of the coaching, part of understanding your people is who you're on and who you're not have to be on. You can tell, but you got to get to know it and they try to fool you too. So you got to be on, on your best game to, to get things happen. So that red flag day was, there was no rest for, you know, whatever, however long that, and I don't know how long it was going to go because you have to know your team, know your people and know when to stop. And I, um, that's the one thing they, they really look back and they say to me, my athletes, well, we really never knew when practice was going to be over with you. Uh, we really didn't never knew really what you were going to do next, all of practice. And, and so it's like, it's something that didn't get old because it was, they never figured me out <laughs> totally <laughs> just knew that they had to perform. They might yell and scream back at me too. And they might put their fist up. Nobody ever actually swung at me. Nobody ever. Well, I shouldn't say nobody ever yelled back at me because they did. But, uh, you know, it was one of these things that, uh, they pushed through their barriers and they knew it and they had success from it. So they were able to do that. Again, you have to tie these things together. Just because you're a hard worker and you're a smart worker, you're an artist and you're a fighter, doesn't mean that somebody else is going to be uh, believing and doing all these things unless you actually give them good things to rely on. So when they go home, they feel good about themselves. So when they come off a match, they feel good about themselves. Uh, and you don't have to feel good about, you know, you can get beat and still not feel great but you can feel okay if you've left it out there. That's what, it, that's what it's all about. But usually when you've left it out there, you're going to win when you're prepared. You're going to be succeed. You're going to make that sell. You're going to have the right thing that needs to be accomplished just because you've been doing it for quite a while. If you expect it, do one thing and expect it the next day to be a winner, you're, you're, you're off course. It's going to take, it took 30 days just to get the philosophy down a little bit. It's going to take more than that just to hit a headlock. Like I told you, it took 19 years for me to hit a headlock. And I'm, you know, I just don't know what's next. And But it happens. It happens. 
we've talked a lot about the mindset, the habits, the preparation. We've got a lot of athletes, a lot of business leaders. If you're going to leave them with one thing to help them be more successful in whatever it is that they do, any final words you have for them? Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I'm a guy that never has final words. So, um, so it's like, okay, there's disciplines in your life. And if you focus just on one of those disciplines to be really good. So, you know, it's like a wrestler. You go to practice from what? You go to practice from three till five o'clock, three or five thirty. If you're really good, you go in the morning as well. But it's like all of a sudden, then you go home and you don't do your homework. Then you go to school and you don't pay attention to class. So then that's all of a sudden, uh, uh, you got a girlfriend and you're fighting with your girlfriend and all of a sudden you go home and you're fighting with your parents and, and you don't have any friends or you have some friends and you're not, they're up and down. Everything's yo-yo in your life. Well, you know, the one solid thing that you need in your life, you need to perform well in not just the wrestling. You also need to perform well in the classroom. You need to perform well at home. You need to perform well with your friends. You know, it, the more you can do from a discipline point of view on all of your life, your faith, everything, the better chance you're going to keep that level at that high. That doesn't mean they're not going to be some dips, but the more disciplines you can conquer and make sure you don't have that weakness anywhere. I don't like the term weakness. I use the term less strength. There really shouldn't be a weakness. It's just everything's strong. And then all of a sudden, some of them are a little bit stronger than the other ones. So you can say a little bit less strength, strength there. But if everything's strong in your life, your chances of being pretty successful and very successful are, are that much higher. That's some incredible final advice. Conquering multiple disciplines. Coach, one of the lasting things about this conversation is the growth mindset you have when you were in high school, when you were a coach, and even today. So this has been a true honor for me to talk with you. We're gonna have a lot linked up in the show notes, your books, the new artwork, Art of the Fight. Anywhere else the listeners should be directed to stay up to date with you? Well, yeah, I got a beer out now, believe it or not. It's called the Gable <laughs> Beer Beer. It's only in Iowa. And you know what? If you read the book, as a two-beer limit uh, because that's I learned that lesson too a long time ago. And so... Uh, you know, it's it's something that uh, uh, is helping the Dan Gable Museum, which is in Waterloo, my hometown. And uh, for every beer somebody buys, a six-pack or a beer at a bar in the state of Iowa, some of that money goes to um, our museum, which helps kids and, and so on. I know it's a little bit crazy. And then there's a movie that's going to come out this year, too, in the, in the end of no, supposed to be in the end of 2019 called The Last Champion. I got a little part in it, but it's it's mostly just a good wholehearted movie, which is about a small little town, but just so happens the sport's going to be wrestling in it, which really makes a, uh, a big difference. And it's, it's, it's going to be a really good movie for like uh, just home life, you know, home life to, to watch this ups and downs of a little town and ups and downs, how things can happen if you don't do things right and, and so on and so forth. But you know, that's, that's the two main things along with, I got two books and, and I also got uh, this new, this new painting out by Mike Kupka. You know, he's uh, uh, he's done a lot of famous uh, athletes in his day, and, and the whole my whole story of my life is basically in in that painting. But but I would say that uh, you know I appreciate you. Uh, it, it, it surprises me, you know, that you weren't a wrestler; you were a lacrosse player, I believe. Correct. And 
uh, you know, it's just the impact. I think that impact is what's so valuable when people have a lot of success with their life to be able to share that. So other people have the chance to, to be as good as they possibly can and, and live a good life because that's what it's all about. Well, Coach Dan Gable, I can't thank you enough for joining us on What Got You There and sharing your journey. Hey, I'm just happy to have somebody talking to me that is excited and, and, and real, and that means a lot to me. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance that your physical fitness is one of the most important aspects of your life. So why do you keep wearing those old workout shorts that are falling apart? Or even worse, when you're at the gym and something smells a little ripe? If that's the case, it's time to turn in those old shorts for a new pair of 10,000 shorts. 10,000 makes it super simple to purchase your new favorite workout apparel. My new favorite short is their distance short, which is super comfortable, lightweight, and perfect for all of my fitness goals. I can say without a doubt that 10,000 shorts are the most comfortable workout shorts I've ever worn. Like myself, 10,000 is obsessed with nailing the fit with the highest quality materials and construction. For the listeners of What Got You There, 10,000 is offering 20% off your first order of shorts. Yes, that's 20% off. When you check out, make sure you request their one-in-one-out kit. They do this super cool thing when you can send in your old gear you have for recycling and you'll get 10% off your next order. Head to www.10,000.cc forward slash WGYT to receive 20% off your order. And if for some reason you don't love them, they have your back with free shipping, free exchanges, and free returns. A few months ago, my body was experiencing a ton of pain, and that's when my friend and former podcast guest, Noah Olson, turned me on to Pure Spectrum CBD. Their CBD products have been tremendous in relieving a lot of the pain in my body. Their products are pure because everything they make is tested every time for quality, consistency, and efficiency. They're 100% organic, third-party tested. There's a 100% guarantee, and they're THC-free. If you want to receive 10% off the entire site, head to PureSpectrumCBD.com and enter code WGYT. That's 10% off the entire website at PureSpectrumCBD.com with code WGYT. For the What Got You There listeners who love to travel and want to see the world, listen up. We've teamed up with Globekick, who make it affordable to enjoy peak life experiences with like-minded people from around the world. Globekick expertly designs, curates, and scouts global adventures for you to join. Each trip lasts one week and is designed to balance their unique blend of adventure, culture immersion, and relaxation. Globekick has some epic adventures planned, such as cage diving with great white sharks in Cape Town, South Africa, dog sledding and northern light chasing in Norway, and to see the rest, head to globekick.com. If you want to travel the world with your kind of people and not break the bank, then make sure to stop at globekick.com and enter code WGYT to receive 10% off your membership. What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with got you, got you? Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, 
head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.